Welcome to What Has My Attention, and this is John Beethan, your host for the podcast that focuses on elevating women's voices to be heard. And this is episode 47. It's titled Breakdowns and Breakthroughs, featuring Audrey Holst, Lisa Pachentz, and Patty Block. We're continuing the Women in Strong Leadership series with Lisa, Audrey, and Patty. And today we're talking about breakdowns and breakthroughs. Last time we got together on episode 46, released February 22nd, 2022, we titled it Service and Success, How to Have Both, and wanted to follow up with today's title, The Breakdowns and Breakthroughs. The show notes for this episode include links to all previous episodes with Audrey, Lisa, Patty, either individually or also collectively when they were all on together. Topics covered in this episode include introductions, cringeworthy puns, Audrey's breakthrough, you can't plan for breakthroughs, breakthroughs and vulnerabilities, being consistent with the process, predictable breakthroughs, the difference between breakthroughs and change, shifting of habits, transformation is boring, breakthrough insights and results, the habit of change that creates the breakthrough, the difference between problems and symptoms, trust, how to know you're going in the right direction, states of breakdowns, redefining the meaning of the breakdown, is a breakdown and a breakthrough the same thing viewed through a different lens? In conversation, taking up too much space, celebrating wins, We don't need a hobby to find joy. The joy of women coming together. The differences between coaching, consulting, and mentoring. And often, at the start of the episode, I'll include a little quote or words or some wisdom from one of the guests. But for this episode, I just couldn't do it. Couldn't come up with just one. So it became obvious to me that the complete episode should and could be heard. I really want to welcome everybody again. We Last time we were here, I'm um, going to bring it up. It was actually, uh, we released on February 22nd as a podcast. Um, WISL stands for Women in Strong Leadership. That would be you three. And that was episode number 46, titled Service and Success, How to Have Both. Do you remember that? I do remember that. I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we and we did talk about how to have both very successfully. Yeah, it was really an amazing episode. And it, it went down to uh, it went down to at the end of the episode. What are we going to name the next one? I think this is after my, my own breakdown and breakthrough. Mm. If you remember that. Mm-hmm. So I, I just wanted to bring that up because, as you know, I'm not uh, I don't talk a lot on these. So I like to let you guys shine. So feel free to turn up the um, shining control and uh, do whatever it is you do. If you want to introduce yourself briefly again, now, Patty, you've done the cookie intro. And if you want to continue to do that, I I just can't get enough of that story. And uh, in fact, I have to blame you uh, because I'm now eating cookies. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. I I just, cookies are on my head, right, Audrey? It's like every fly, if I go out, it's like I might, you know, I'm looking for a cookie. It's Girl Scout cookie season, you know, so it's really 
it is the time to I be. I bought several boxes. I'm telling you, I chocolate s- mint. It did not last more than a day in my house. So, talk about your mother's cookies, Girl Scout cookies. <laughs> remind me of my childhood. Oh, big time. Big <laughs> That's time. right. So, um, who wants cool. to go first and introduce yourself? Well, I think with that lead in, I have to go first because everyone is going to be curious about the cookies. (laughs) So I'm Patty Block. When I was growing up, my mom used to make these fabulous cookies. The whole house smelled good. It was warm. The cookies were gooey. Kind of makes your mouth water. And my whole life, I watched my mom eat the broken cookies. But it wasn't until I was a teenager that I even thought to ask her, why do you only eat the broken cookies? Do they taste better? And she laughed and said, no, I eat the broken cookies so you can have the whole ones. And not too long ago, I saw this really shocking statistic. 62% of women rely on their business for their primary income. And 88% of those businesses earn less than $100,000 a year. And I saw that statistic and what popped into my head was my mom eating the broken cookies. And I realized that's what we as women do in our businesses. We bring that spirit of self-sacrifice, thinking that we can't serve others and make a lot of money. So it is my mission. I work with women business owners to help them generate more revenue with less stress by reimagining how they price and how they sell. Brilliant. And I really want some cookies now. So I want to, I know I was thinking about Patty, your cookie story. And I was like, I, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go off. (laughs) I'm probably going to go off the rails, but I'm going to go off script here because uh, if I want to talk about what I do, right, maybe I'm talking to the people who won't even bake the cookies because they're afraid that they're not going to bake the cookies correctly, or they can't serve slightly burnt cookies, or somebody else can definitely bake better cookies than them, so they're not going to bother, or they're going to like buy cookies that are pre-made, but then like put them on a really pretty plate and then say they made them, but they didn't actually make them, then feel a lot of shame and guilt about that. So those are my people. My people are the perfectionists and the high performers. Um, I actually have been working with a lot of people in the law space, which has been like the joy of my life. I I just love working with attorneys and lawyers. Like I didn't mean to, mm-hmm. and I didn't want to, but here we are and I friggin' love them. Um, so if you can relate to being terrified about your cookies not being the right cookies or that like feeling like once I bake the perfect cookies, then I can serve those cookies, but I still haven't done that yet. So like I'm still unsatisfied. Um, those are my people. So that's my, uh, that is my intro working with. And if you can relate to that, then you might be able to relate to a lot of the stuff I'll be talking about today. Okay. And Audrey, introduce yourself with your name and people know that it's you speaking. <laughs> so much for going off script. And I am, you know, not a perfectionist. My name is Audrey Holst and I'm the founder of Fortitude and Flow, where I work with these people who are afraid to make the cookies or don't want to get their cookies wrong. That's me. Thank you, Patty. That was the perfect introduction. And I love this game of introducing ourselves using a story and taking from someone else's story to, to try to explain what we do. So I'm going to jump on the bandwagon and, and try that yeah. out. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that example, Audrey. 
So I am Lisa Vicenz. I am a master certified coach and a executive life coach for underfulfilled, high achieving women who have um, a lot of struggle in their life to bring together success and fulfillment at the same time. So these are the people who will spend all day baking the cookies, they'll sacrifice themselves, they'll put their heart and souls into it, they'll take the day off from work, they'll have fun, they'll be with their family, they'll make these amazing cookies. They'll sit down and be so exhausted they won't be able to enjoy it. <laughs> or on the flip side, they're the person that goes to Whole Foods and buys the cookies and then brings them home and has time, you know, for, for their family, but then feels so much guilt and shame around buying the cookies instead of making it themselves. So I tend to work with the executive or the entrepreneur who's really hitting that glass ceiling of being able to get to that next step. Be, being able to break through their limiting belief of that either or and have the both and in their life. Um, and this is a story of me and my life and my life's cookies. <laughs> that, that was me cookie baking 10 years ago. And, the, and I hired a coach and I'm like, oh, well, many women have to have this sort of recipe for success, pun intended. So um, that's me and that's what I do. Good job, Lisa. You know, I want to see how many more puns we can make. Yeah. I'm, I'm into it. I really like this that, new direction. <laughs> yeah. It would be a, a really sweet podcast. <sighs> Delicious even. That, that's the thing about puns is mm. they're sometimes cringeworthy. And mm. yet we still laugh. Yeah. That, 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 that describes my life to a T, Patty. <laughs> <laughs> cringeworthy and laugh-worthy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, so who wants to talk about breakdowns and breakthroughs? Audrey? Listen. Audrey. And Audrey and I spoke earlier, was it this week or last week? And and I have to say, there was so much excitement and enthusiasm in what Audrey was sharing. And I even said to her, we need to talk about this because this is a breakthrough for you and something that brings you joy. Yeah. So... Audrey, yes, we really need to hear about this. <laughs> well, I and I think that this is actually this relates to I was saying I just got off the the a call with a client who who had what I would I would call a bit of a breakthrough. And I think so so my particular breakthrough was around uh around the lawyer piece, right? Is this is something that I um was sort of sort of found by mistake and once I started experiencing what it was like to work with lawyers and interact with them and coach them, I was like, I love this. And the more I was leaning to, mm-hmm. I love this, the more these opportunities started to pop up. And the more I was talking about it, it just kept feeling like it felt like a tractor beam that was pulling me in as opposed to me chasing anything or me pushing for anything. Mm. Um, it just felt like this magnetic pull. And I think I mentioned it earlier. It's not something that I set out to do. It's not something I have a, you know, I don't have a vision. I don't actually have any vision boards, but like I don't have a vision board for it. I don't, you know, there's no, I haven't been like, you know, repeating my affirmations about it. None of that sort of stuff. It's just one of those things where it was like, and I think that that's how breakthroughs are, is that I don't think you set out to have them. You don't set out to have a breakthrough. Like, and I think if you do, you're probably not on the path to one. So for me, it was this breakthrough where everything, it's like all of a sudden it felt like 
like, again, I was being pulled like, like an attractor beam towards these opportunities. And it was like the floodgates were open. And all of a sudden I had movement and energy. I was calling it, it felt like golden retriever energy, where it was just like, I have a tail <laughs> that won't stop wagging. And actually my whole body is wagging. And I like, can't stop. I had to email my coach and just like be really super excited about it. Um, and so I feel like that was the same sort of vibe that I could feel off this client today where like the more they were talking about this thing, the more it, that I could feel it was like this floodgate opening and I just kept asking more questions about it and it just kept opening wider and wider. And it was like, we were both staring at this thing and it was like energy had been unlocked. And I think that that's something about how I might describe the experience of or the flavor of what a breakthrough experiences. Mm. So what I love I about that example, Audrey, is you're talking about a breakthrough experience for your client, but you're also talking about the breakthrough experience for you at the same time. Yeah. And they're almost like the, you know, and the, the client is, it actually, it actually is like a description of two different, two different things. Like my, my breakthrough with the lawyers is actually separate from mm. this particular client. So yeah. Mm. Yeah. And experiencing somebody else having a breakthrough is also a vicarious, lovely thing to be on the receiving end of. So let's go a little bit deeper into your comment, Audrey, about breakthroughs. You can't really plan for them. And if you do plan for them, they're unlikely to happen. And I think that's very insightful and very true. And that's also been my experience. When I've had breakthroughs, especially in business, it's been surprising. And it's also why I trust the process, because I've experienced that before, that there are certain things that I might think are negative or not as effective as I wish they had been. And yet it brought me to the next step and perhaps led me to a breakthrough. So, and I think that's where we were headed when we started talking about breakdowns versus breakthroughs. Because sometimes you need the breakdown in order to get to the breakthrough. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to get your thoughts about that distinction and what your experiences have been. Yeah, and I think I think breakdown is like a slightly separate conversation. I'm interested in Lisa's perspective on that too, because I think we kind of started in on that last time. But um, yeah, for me, it's and I think it's exactly what you're pointing at, Patty, is it's being present with the process of something versus chasing after and like getting ahead of yourself in some way, right? It's like if you're chasing a breakthrough, then you're not present with the process that's happening that may or may not bring it to you, right? Or there's like a, I feel like I know the next thing, even though I haven't been there yet. There's this anticipation. There's a story. This is the the sort of perfectionist uh, habit is to have what they think is plan A, and then if plan A doesn't work, then there's plan B and there's plan C. There's a lot of mental energy towards things that are so far off with like all of the different things that may go wrong. Um, and for some, you know, for lawyers, for instance, that's actually a very helpful skill if you're using it consciously because it's part of what you do for a living. But being present with what's exactly here allows you that those moments to pivot and to change and to move down a down a you know a little gully of water that you may not have planned on going down, but that's what this present moment is requiring. And boom, all of a sudden you're that's where you're discovering something that you didn't expect, you didn't plan for, but like you said, maybe better than what was expected. So that's the sort of that's the flavor of my experience. I'm curious if that points to 
points to yours as well. And yeah, and Lisa, I want to hear, I want to hear from you around this. Yeah. Audrey, you're on such an energetic high today. I just want to, I want to hear more about you and your life and I can feel the energy over here. It's amazing. <laughs> Golden retriever energy all around. Oh yeah. It's funny. I see my, my energy as yellow as well. Like ye yellow peanut M&M oh, energy. That. Yeah. I'm really nutty inside. So that might um, be your cookie story. By there now. it is. <laughs> my cookie story. I'm a yellow peanut M&M. Cookies. Yes. <laughs> cookies and M&Ms in the cookies. So, um, you know, I, in these conversations, I usually like to jump on the bandwagon and, and like really support <laughs> what we're saying. And I'm going to, I'm going to be a little antagonistic. Oh, spice it up, Lisa. I love it. Just a little bit. So my belief is that breakthroughs can't be forced. I align with that, but they can be created. And I think there are ways to create containers to have our breakthroughs that they can be predictable or they can be super surprising. And I like to try to welcome and embrace both, both the predictable breakthroughs as well as the surprising breakthroughs. And I think that's the difficulty of at least the work that I do with clients is we can declare a breakthrough, let's say in, in vulnerability, like in vulnerability with my husband, for instance, like me and my husband are always working on communication. We're both uh, Virgos and alphas. We both run a business. Like we have to work on really vulnerable, soft gentleness with each other because we're used to like, you know, ordering things and direction and power. And so we can we can declare a breakthrough in vulnerability and we can work on that, but that doesn't mean that it's gonna be perfect. And if we force vulnerability, I mean, then the conversation is just, it's weird and icky and um, awkward. And we're trying to force a connection instead of feeling into the connection from an energy. And by creating and declaring a breakthrough in vulnerability, we might have that or we might have something else like a breakthrough in trust, like really trusting ourselves and each other in the conversation and um, getting support. Like that could be another breakthrough, Addition, additional levels of support and um, romanticism and doing things for each other. Like there's a lot of things that can come out of creating a breakthrough. Sometimes it's the breakthrough itself and sometimes it's entirely different. So similar to what you were speaking to, Audrey, like it's really hard for perfectionisms and overachievers to um, work on breakthroughs because you cannot, you cannot push it and plan it to perfection. You have to set the goal and then release your expectations of what it's going to look like when you get there. And I think especially releasing the attachment to when it happens and yes. that's the hardest for me yes. to be with. Love that. Love that. I, I have a quick question about just the terminology. I I don't use the terminology breakthrough. Like I, I know what we're talking about, but even with clients or with myself, I it's not a word that I use commonly. Is it a word that either either of you use commonly? It isn't for me. I typically don't. And um, I'm very process driven. And this is Patty, if you're listening to the to the uh, audio. Um, I'm very process driven. So although my clients may recognize when they have a breakthrough, it's very much about um, being consistent mm. with the process. Mm. And so that consistency makes the, if you call them breakthroughs, 
a little bit more predictable because you know when you're on the right path. Yeah. But to your point, I don't really use the word breakthrough. And in some ways, I wonder if talking about a breakthrough diminishes what we're really working on in the process. Mm. I just saw a really good point. I would say Lisa's eyebrows just like raised. I'm so curious about your your reaction to that because yeah her eyebrows just popped right up i was like oh yeah we both had a little visceral reaction to that yeah um well i would love to hear from you too andre what what raised my attention was you patty speaking to what i was trying to speak to which is when you are consistent and moving towards a goal breakthroughs can happen they're more predictable in it's happening which um I always recommend like nobody hires a coach for tiny changes in their life, like, you know, drinking 5% less coffee. (laughs) They hire a coach for something radically different. And you have to be consistent about showing up and doing the things in order to get to that breakthrough. So having consistent processes in place, uh, allow like a coach or like support allows that breakthrough to eventually happen. But um, I think that breakthrough is definitely overused as a word in my industry and in my colleagues. We talk so much about breakthroughs in our coach training program that I went through, and I think it does diminish the power of it. But I like to also speak to the difference between breakthrough and change because I hold them as very different. Maybe we can talk a little bit about that too. And uh, yes, please, let's talk about that. And um, I wonder if change is, because to me, that's a very passive word, Mm. even though it may bring about action, the process of change is often very passive. So Lisa, I'd love to hear your perspective on that. Yeah. Well, before we move on, Audrey, did you have something around uh, what Patty brought in terms of consistency? Yeah, no, I think it's I think it's spot on. I mean, I think that that consistency that if I'm also if I'm thinking from a coaching context, right, or or any sort of shifting of the first thing that came to mind is like shifting of habits. And if you're creating a new behavior, mm-hmm. shifting of habits, which is often in involvement right? when you're creating new habits, you're creating new actions, different behaviors. Um, and I have all sorts of things now that I'm chewing on around this sort of false story around like the breakthrough being the thing we're trying to get to and that being total BS, especially with perfectionists. We could talk about that. Um, Mm. That just consistency, 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 small change over small change over time. I'll use the word change. um, Small shifts over time actually in the end being the sustainable and most powerful thing. So I'm going to end there, but that's, Mm. that's, uh, that's my thought on that. So you, so just to clarify, breakthrough is more sustainable because it is a break. No, say that, say that last part again. I'm like, I was half a second behind you. So I think that, um, I think the breakthrough is a looking at something that you've been staring at for a while or, or approaching something that's been existence for a while. And all of a sudden it's like, you notice it in a way that you hadn't before. It's like something opens up in your vision. Like, oh, you know, for instance, you know, the, the, 
my breakthrough, so-called breakthrough, I'll put that in quotes around lawyers. It's like, I've been staring at the same thing for a long time. This is not something that's brand new, but all of a sudden it's like something clicked. Same thing with my client today. It's like mm-hmm. stuff that had been heard before or that was understood before, but it's like all of a sudden everything was was coming, like all the pieces were available, but now all of a sudden they just kind of aligned in a certain way and it felt different and the relationship with them was different. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's I think that's one way I think it's just interesting it's like as we talk about this more and more I'm just I'm looking at I'm looking at it in different ways right I'm looking at breakthroughs in different ways for sure and yeah I think the one thing that I like you were talking about Lisa that this term breakthrough in the coaching industry um I think this is something that that people have this perception around like if I can have a breakthrough then all of a sudden Angels come down from the heavens, something miraculously happens, my whole life is improved, and like the breakthrough is the thing that I need. And I would argue against that mentality because I think that that's what gets people tripped up a lot is this like chasing for like a big like hit, right? Like a big hit of emotion of this, of that. And I want to say one of the things that I actually spoke out loud recently was transformation is boring transformation's really boring. You do the same stuff over and over again until something changes mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you arrive and you're like, oh, here we are. So that's a different perspective on breakthrough too, so. Oh my gosh, I have so many things to, to say to that. Um, so I think that there are breakthrough insights and then there's breakthrough results. And I believe that they are uh, a slightly different breakthrough awareness, uh, breakthrough insights are um, tricky because they feel really good in a moment, but unless they're attached to consistent effort and consistent structure and consistent follow through and support systems, it's like, it was a great feeling yesterday, but I, I don't. I don't have that anymore, so now what do I do? And you're right, transformation's really boring. People people want to chase after that quick fix, and uh, I'm excited to talk about breakdowns too, because I believe that there's a difference between problems and breakdowns. And if we're going after a break breakthrough, so to speak, quotes, in order to solve a problem, then we are going to be woefully disappointed because breakthroughs, they don't, they don't have a timeline. Um, they typically come after a lot of hard work, and they typically don't solve the problem that they think they solve. I believe that breakthroughs are, um, they're more like quantum leaps or um, big changes in our perspective, like really different outlooks on life that changes our limiting beliefs about something and breaks through that glass ceiling that we have on ourselves and our, and our businesses and our relationships that allows something very different to happen. So the results, the breakthrough results, usually uh, come after the insight, but only with the proper care and support and boringness <laughs> day after day. And I think change is the thing that you do every single little, every single day in showing up and doing the work until it becomes a habit. And then the breakthroughs, the breakthrough results come after the change every single day. Patty, I imagine you have so much to say about this. 
Yeah. I, I actually do. And it's to start with, I think that is a brilliant distinction between the insight and the results. And you can't have one without the other. So, Lisa, I, I think that really is an important distinction. And the other thing I'd like to drill down into is the difference between, uh, Lisa, what did you mention? The difference between a problem mm-hmm. and a, problem a breakdown? And a, and a breakdown, yeah. Okay, and I'd like to talk about, in addition to that, the difference between a problem and a symptom. Oh. Ooh, Do get it, Patty, on. yes. Do you want to start there? Yes. Do do go on. Yeah. Educators, Patty, go for it. Mm-hmm. So what I see in, especially in business, is that people often think that they're dealing with a specific problem. So when a client comes to me and they tell me about something that's really upsetting to them or is problematic in their business, they think of that as the problem. And I think of it as a symptom of a bigger problem or a deeper problem or a more pervasive problem. And we've all seen this, like when there's a toxic work environment and people think that the manager is the problem. No, the manager is not the problem. The manager is participating in the problem. But that comes directly from the top leadership of what kind of work environment they have. So it's the same thing when I'm talking about pricing. So when people, women in particular, are juggling a million things and they feel like they can't catch their breath, that's a symptom. And yet we think it's about productivity and we're trying to fix a problem that's really a symptom of something else. And in my view, it's a symptom of your pricing is probably out of whack. And if you structure your pricing probably increase your pricing and couple that with better sales and having a real sales process. When you put those pieces together, then you can free up your time as the business owner. You can hire people, freelancers, contractors, employees, whatever it is that you want to strategically do so that you are not running around putting out fires all the time. So that's an example of the difference that I see every day between what we think are problems and what are really symptoms. I love that. So good. Yeah. Audrey, what's your take on the difference between problems and symptoms? Yeah, I think it's, I imagine that it's something that is innate for a lot of us that have been working in doing what we've done for a really long time. I am often listening to I I am I am discerning the difference between symptoms and origins I guess is kind of where I I would say it right like a mm-hmm. symptom versus mm-hmm. the the origin of that symptom um and obviously that is informed by my perspective of the world and my perspective of humans and my perspective of how the body works and all of that sort of stuff. So my, you know, perspective is going to be very different than if somebody with the same symptoms goes to their doctor, right? Or their, you know, whatever. It's going to, my, my lens is going to inform my perspective. So I think that that's, I think that actually I want to mention that as a, something that's important when you are if you're considering hiring a coach or if you're considering working with anybody, it's really important to 
make sure that there's that, those aligned values, right? How you see the world, how you how you look at um, business, how you look at business practices, right? Staying in integrity, right? I can, I would highly, I would recommend anybody hire Patty or Lisa because I know that they are high integrity individuals and I know what they do works, right? So that's, I think that's really important. Um, is that you really like vet people out, like vet people out, vet me out, right? Like, don't just take my word for it. Like, see if what I'm saying is in alignment with with what you're, how you see the world, because I think that is a part of that making sustainable change or having breakthroughs is that alignment, having that same alignment mm-hmm. with your, that trust, right? With your coach or whoever you're working with, because if there's that alignment and that trust, then you might, you'll be more willing to be pushed and you will trust when somebody gives you feedback that maybe is not what you want to hear, but like in your gut, it checks out, right? You do that gut check and you're like, I hate hearing that, but you're right. And you're, and you're willing to, to make those, make those shifts. So yeah. So I would just say, you know, when anytime I'm listening to a client or I'm having a sales conversation or whatever, I'm listening to what that person's perceptions of their problems are, right? What is their perception? Where, where are, where do they believe the issues are versus I'm filtering that as they're speaking the lens of my experience of, huh? Yep. Makes total sense. Seen that before. Yep. Makes sense. That makes sense. That makes sense. And in my own experience, I'm kind of honing in on what I believe to be like the origin. And is that something that I believe that I can be helpful with? Well, uh, it's always important to vet your people. You should take Audrey's word for it because she is amazing. (laughs) Thank you, Lisa. Don't walk, run. (laughs) Run to Audrey's business. Um, I love the practice of looking at what are the necessary conditions for breakthrough for each person. I think trust is a huge piece of it, especially in getting the support to obtain that huge change, transformation, difference, breakthrough, whatever you want to call it on the other side. And um, I think that trust is also created when as an expert, you can say, hey, all of these are symptoms. But what's actually the thing that's connecting all of these symptoms? Where else does this show up for you? What's that belief behind it? Or what's that thing behind it that's driving all of these symptoms? And then being able to connect the dots. But to me, it it feels like, um, Audrey, to your point of creating trust, holding the container of all of the content and the stories and being able to like filter filter that core thing out, the genesis, the origin, and go, hey, have you ever considered like this? all of this is really about self-love or self-worth? I railed against raising my rates for years and years and years because I didn't feel like I was worth it at all. And so that was actually the, the breakthrough that I was working on, the breakthrough result was finally freaking raising my rate. <laughs> oh, Patty, I want to hear from a, you about that because that's like that that lands, right? And I feel like that's probably a lot of what you're working with, right? It is. Um, so part of it is the self-sacrifice, the broken cookie effect mm-hmm. of always wanting to serve others and being worried that we can't serve others if our prices are too high, quote, mm-hmm. too high. Right. But my belief is there's a price point for every buyer. So for some buyers, they're going to think your pricing is a bargain, even when you've raised your pricing. And other buyers who might not be the right fit for you might be very price sensitive. So 
then it becomes a matter of finding your ideal buyer. So one of the things you said a minute ago, Lisa, that, um, that I wanted to highlight is you were talking about the, and I may ask you to repeat some of it, the, the symptoms and leading, the things leading to a breakthrough. And one of the things that occurs to me as you were describing that is one of the things that a lot of women struggle with is, am I in the, going in the right direction? Am I on the right path? How do I know if I'm on the right path? Which is the other huge benefit of working with a coach or a business advisor is based on our experience, we can help you figure that out. Because having a breakthrough that doesn't serve you or figuring out a direction that ends up not being the right direction and you pour a lot of time, energy, and money into that can make you feel very despondent. And I think we've all been there when we thought our idea was brilliant and our direction was exactly right. And it turned out not to be. I know I did that when I tried to create, well, I did create online courses, and then I couldn't sell them. And I poured a huge amount of time, money, energy, because I thought it was as simple as transferring my knowledge and that people would be interested in buying my knowledge in a virtual form. Well, that's not how that works. So it took me time that I didn't waste it because I learned from it. But if I had had someone saying to me, you know, you might want to think about doing this a different way or approaching this, or are you sure you're on the right path? That would have been invaluable to me. And I didn't have that in that moment. And again, I learned from it, so I don't regret doing that. But I've subsequently learned much more effective ways of handling that and building those online programs and selling those online programs. So I think that's an example of... um, Every woman I've ever worked with has asked me that question. How do I know I'm going in the right direction? So that, that, I wonder if that's, if that transition is sort of towards the flavor of breakdown in some, in some way, right? Like what, when something's not working or maybe things are collectively not working, I guess the question is like defining the term. What does that even mean Mm. to us individually? Like what would the term breakdown mean and again, is this a term that you would even use? Like, Pat, Patty, since you were just talking about it, is breakdown a term you would use? Is it, you know, and if you would or maybe you wouldn't, how would you define it? Yeah, so it's not a word I would use typically um, because I think it's so defeatist. And if you recall in our previous recording, we talked about the difference between being an optimist, a realist, and a pessimist. And I'm a realist. And I believe to the core of my being, that I learn from every experience, that most of us learn from our experiences, much more than we learn in college or graduate school. We, we have to have that life experience. So I wouldn't use the word breakdown, but mm-hmm. I deal with people every day that are experiencing huge disappointments and are feeling frustrated and disappointed and want to, desperately want to have a 
a better, easier way to operate their business or deal with a difficult person or have a difficult conversation. And all of those things together, again, I don't call that a breakdown. I think of that much more as that's a common frustration that we can learn from, but you might need an outside perspective in order to take the lesson. It's hard to do in your own mind. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Lisa, what about you? I, I, I imagine you're having a, you maybe have a different perspective than Patty does on this one. Hmm. Well, I do about 50% mentoring, advising, consulting, collegiate, whatever you want to call it, and 50% true blue coaching. And true blue coaching, there is no experience. Like my experience doesn't matter. Um, which I, I think we need both. I mean, in, in, in the coaching world, like per the International Coach Federation, if you, if you were coaching to a master level, you 100% you are not in the space as a coach, which I think in some sessions and for some people works, but as a human being, we need, we need the advisors, we need the mentors, we need the people come bef coming before us. And so in my model of coaching, I usually do 50% of each in my, in my sessions, which is really, really valuable because then you are able to say like, hey, it sounds like, what you're making dramatic is actually a normal part of the process. Just like getting fit or getting strong or training for a marathon, you're super sore after the first after the first month. You feel like you've made no headway. You feel like you've taken some backward steps, and now you have aches and pains. Well, it's like yeah, that's absolutely normal and part of the process. If that wasn't a problem, if it was just you know what's so and what and actually something we can embrace, what would your mentality be around that? And I think that mentality could lead to a breakthrough insight, which could lead to forward momentum. But I think it's really important to be able to distinguish what is the, the difference between the symptom and the problem, or, or in my language would be the problem versus the breakdown. The breakdown to me is that, is that origin, it's that core, it's the thing that if you change that thing, the limiting belief or the result or whatever, many other things would change with it. Um, there are some other things I wanted to say, but I lost my train of thought. So Audrey, why don't you jump in here? <laughs> so I think, so again, breakdown. So breakdown is a word that I've used personally to describe very particular experiences in my own life. Um, and I think, you know, John mentioned uh, some, some version of his in our last episode. And I would say that I've that's probably the most common usage how I would use the term is like I would say mm. like I've had an emotional breakdown like that's how I would use that term it's like I had an emotional mm -hmm. breakdown and I can think of a couple of specific instances in which that's happened in my life so when I use a term like that it is a very particular state mentally mm -hmm. emotionally physically spiritually ev there's a very particular state for me to be in what I would call the state of a breakdown. And there is always a sort of consistency. And I think that maybe the way that other people described it in the in, in other contexts is like, oh, I've hit some sort of a rock bottom, some version of that. So when I use that, when I would use that term to describe myself, it would be like a very particular moment in time where it seems like 
I I have sort of stripped away everything. Everything is super raw. And then there's sort of a coming out of that into something else. Something does shift for me after a breakdown. Mm. In terms of work with clients, it's it's not a term that I would use with a client that I really notice with a client because to me that I think that's kind of outside of the scope of what I would even be dealing with necessarily. Um, in terms of like breaking things down, right? Like breaking things down into smaller pieces, like using a term as like breaking things down. Um, I think that happens with clients a lot where it's like they're looking at a big concept and we start to break things down and maybe you're left with a very like raw thing at the bottom. Um, but that's how I'm relating to that term, I guess. So I'm not sure if that creates any answers, any questions or creates more questions, but that's, that's off the top of my head without thinking too hard about it. That's how I would talk about it. Uh, I remember what I was going to say. And then I have a question for you, Audrey. (laughs) I don't think I actually answered the original question. I answered something else. So I do use the term breakdown with my clients, but I have us redefine what a breakdown is, that it, it is not an emotional breakdown, which we often conflate with something very demoralizing, very um, raw, very emotional, none of which is bad. But to me, a breakdown can actually be empowering because if we don't see it as a problem or as messy or as wrong and bad, if we see it as, oh, it's because I need to work on my vulnerability. Like this is a vulnerability breakdown in my leadership. If I were to have a breakthrough in vulnerability, imagine what that could create. So I, the first thing that I do is, is reframe what, what that concept is. And honestly, I could probably find a better term than breakdown because it is conflated with so many other things that are disempowering. Um, but I think that, that utilizing breakdown on purpose and having it be empowering can be really, really helpful for clients. But to your point, Audrey, um, the emotional breakdown and that like bottom of the barrelness is very different than um, moving people forward. And what would you say the 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 word is for you? I didn't actually catch. If it's not breakdown, then what would you say it is that you do with clients? Well, I. Uh, the first, actually, I just want to like the thing that's on top for me right now, which is so interesting because you were the way that both you and Patty describe um, just the way you've been describing both of these things. I'm like, I think that what I'm learning through this conversation, that a breakthrough and a breakdown is actually the same thing. It's what perspective or what lens are you viewing this through? I think that's what I'm learning right now. So say more about that. Well, you know, I, there's, and, and maybe, so, okay. I'll speak from I'll speak from firsthand experience. So I'm gonna, I'm not going to speak from what I've observed through clients. I'm just going to speak through my own embodied experience because I think that's the easiest way for me to be most honest about it. So, right, if I've experienced what I would consider in my life a breakdown, right? Maybe I'd say like an emotional breakdown. Um, there's a particular flavor of what that is for me, right? There's a expe- particular bodily experience, how I feel, how I'm thinking, what my thoughts are doing. Um, that that there's a very particular 
way that that manifests for me. Breakthrough is similar, but it's like sort of on the other side of the spectrum. Like if I'm talking about energy, right? That was kind of, we were talking about my golden retriever energy. Golden retriever energy for me is like that very elevated, bubbly, effervescent, like woo, it's very upward energy. When I talk about the breakdown, it is more of a downward facing energy. It's more of my nervous system in a more of a shutdown, frozen, you know, more depressed state, not depressed like depression, but like depressed, like downward state. And I'm, I'm doing a lot of uh, motioning right now. So if you're listening to the podcast, you're probably not seeing it. But so it's almost like the two, the same two different sides of the same coin, but just different directionalities. And I think that, you know, just like I would say to a client, there's no, I agree with you, Lisa, there's no, we are human experiences. We are, we are human experiences. We are humans <laughs> having human experiences. There's not a bad feeling. There's not a good feeling. There's not a bad emotion. There's not a good emotion. There's not a bad, you know, we can put the labels on them because we would maybe prefer something different. Sure. So I think that this like, it makes me so or- so curious about the origins of the words now, right? Like the thing is my brain wants to like look up breakthrough and look up breakdown and look at the origins <laughs> of these words. I am full of it today, y'all. So uh, so I think just the the what can come of both of these things from this state of energy up here where I'm, I'm motioning with my hands above my head and this state of energy down here, again, I'm motioning kind of lower. Um, I think that that they have similar impacts depending on how they're handled. And I think that's where having a coach or an outside perspective really can help guide what comes next. That's what I want to say. I feel like I'm taking up a lot of space today. I'm talking a lot. So I'm going to I'm going to mute myself, but I'm I'm curious to hear what other people think. I love you taking up space, Audrey. To do it more often. Patty, what do you have? So, I was thinking the same thing. The fact, you know, there's no man on earth who would ever make that statement about taking up space. That's true. And I'm, I'm not aware of it as it's coming out of my mouth, but I just want to be real with listeners that that's, it happens to me too. Well, and I, I understand you're saying it, but that's also why I want to highlight it because I don't think you're taking up quote too much space. I bet Lisa doesn't think that John doesn't think that I bet our audience doesn't think that. What you're sharing is, uh, and really what we're doing in each of these conversations is a, a thought exercise. We want to look at it from each of our perspectives. We, we are very aligned, all three of us, in terms of how we think, but we come from it in different ways, and we apply it in different ways. So... I think there's a huge benefit to that, and kudos to John for recognizing that that could be a really valuable conversation, and I think it is, but I also want to be careful that we don't fall into these traps of, oh, I'm talking too much, I'm taking up too much space, I'm, uh, what I have to share is less valuable, and there is no comparison here. No one is thinking, oh, you know, what Patty said sounds much better than what Audrey just said. I mean, you know, people aren't analyzing things that way. So every one of us has a valid and valuable viewpoint. That's why we're here. I think that's also why we love these conversations. 
because we learn from each other. So, so I am delighted to hear your energy today, Audrey, and also your, your breakthrough, if you will, that, that you've determined a niche that is working really well for you and that you also really find fulfilling working with lawyers. And, you know, a lot of people can't say that about working with lawyers because they are not always easy to work with. I have some clients who are attorneys. True. And, right? And so the fact that that is a good niche for you is, that is a breakthrough, that is exciting, and you should be celebrating it. And I think we, as women, we don't do that enough. We don't talk about our wins. We don't celebrate when we have breakthroughs or um, I'll give you an example. I have been working on my book. I'm super excited about it. And I came up with a title and it was a breakthrough for me. And the, and yet I don't really talk about it. So I need to get better about that. So I'll share with you that the working title currently is our business, our way, because you like it? Of course I do. Thank you. It's so catchy. Well, it's also about women stepping into greater power to price and sell their services for the real value that they're bringing and to run their business on their own terms. So we don't need to follow that old corporate model. We don't need to do things the way everyone else is doing them. We don't need to compare. So-and-so is doing this and -and so-and-so is doing that. We can run our business our way, and that is really what I teach, so that it is so much less stressful and much more filled with joy. And that's what I've done in my business. And I used to think I needed a hobby in order to find joy. (laughs) And I felt so pressured by that Mm -hmm. and realized I get so much joy from, and Audrey, I have to know why you're laughing. I think I know. But I take so much joy and fulfillment in the work that I do and the message that I bring. So I don't really need a hobby. And that is the old model. And so that's what I mean about our business, our way. Okay, Audrey, spill. No, you have I, to tell us. I just love it. I just, I feel like it's one of those like, <laughs> I guess I'm just like picturing Patty being like, <sighs> I know I'm supposed to have a hobby, but I don't want one. Like, I just, that just tickles me so much. And I... I'm going to go bake some cookies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, Lisa, the funniest thing about that is that I don't cook. I have never mm. cooked. I've never cooked a meal in my life. And all three of my children, I think for survival, <laughs> learn to cook. And they are all excellent cooks. And they love cook cooking and baking and family recipes. My kids love that kind of stuff. And I have no patience for it. So that's kind of the family joke in my extended family. I don't cook. And I am never in the kitchen. So choosing a cookie story is so ironic. It makes me giggle. (laughs) So true. Hysterical. So true. Patty, I am so excited for your book. You too. Thank you. You too. Thanks for talking about it and taking up space. Audrey, take up more space. I'm sticking my elbows I wanted, out. I wanted to, I wanted to come back in. It's just you know, it's like uh, uh, 
cookies are typically 360 degrees. And we, typically, right? There are squares. <laughs> but we started out with the cookie, and this might be a good place to wrap it up, actually, because we wrap came full cookie circle. <laughs> full cookie but Audrey, circle. I also, at the same time, Audrey, there was a sense that you had something to say. No, I... I I uh, I wanted to hear Elisa's voice in this space is what I wanted to hear. So great, mm. let's hear it. Um, John, with your newfangled tech, I would love you to capture what Patty said about the thought leadership exercise or the thought exercise that we're doing, and that when it comes to women, um, we shouldn't be afraid to take up space. It's about collaboration and community and coming together. I think that was in one of our first conversations that the joy of women coming together and practicing being powerful with each other can be so cathartic because when we can be more authentic and we can be powerful and say our peace and take up quote unquote more space than what we think we're worth, it actually raises everyone's consciousness. And when we feel less like we have to perform or prove something, if we're just in community, that actually gives us more access to creativity, more access to trust, more access to collaboration. So I think exercises like this are so, they're so useful. Like this was, this is cathartic for me, these once a month podcasts. And I wish that other people had the practice and the opportunity to do this and feel included. Well, I'd like to, I'd really like to create more of this if you want to know the truth. So, <laughs> so. Oh. It may be time to talk about the next time. And there's, you know, I told you I'm actually working with a woman coach. I've been working with her since December 1st, and it's been not less than fantastic and and uh, lots of breakthroughs and breakdowns, maybe. But what is coming up for me is, because um, I'm redefining myself as well, kind of working on moving into working on the business rather than in it. And the question I have that may be worth exploring is coaching, consulting, and mentoring. They're very all very different. And you can do combinations. And is that something worth talking about next time? Yeah, I, I think so. I, I would love to talk about the, the differences and where it fits into society and where women find ourselves more often than not. And we could talk about that. Um, what also came up for me at the mm -hmm. end of this conversation is women taking up more space. That, came, that occurred to me also. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So, and go ahead. and if we're, if we're going to talk about that, I understand that term taking up more space but that sounds negative and i'm not taking anything mm, right right i've earned it mm. so i think we need a different language because we've talked about in in this whole series we've talked about the power of words mm. and i'm not taking space i've earned the right whether it's to speak up speak out to share my knowledge and experience so that might be a topic we can talk about. And I think in the course of that, we would be talking about coaching, consulting, and mentoring. It certainly, it certainly comes up. Yeah. Oh, I like it. 
I like it. So what, what do you what, what do you want to title it? It's up to you three. Audrey, Pat- this is where this is where you shine. Do you have a suggestion, Audrey? Well, the common language, right? The common language is the taking up of space, but there's redefining. Are we redefining taking up space? Some sort of something around that? Sure. Have we already talked about redefining? Have we used that in a title before? Redefining, redefining humaning. <laughs> Clearly, I'm redefining a lot of stuff. It's it's the jam that is happening over here. Um, you're not taking anything when you're taking up space. I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm not having any brilliant, uh, brilliant light bulb moments here. Anybody else coming up with anything? Well, it could be uh, instead of redefining, taking up space. It could be. Um, it could be stepping into your power or what I term as stepping into greater power because to some extent we have as women stepped into our power and we can see evidence of that in almost like those flashbulb moments and I would like to see it much more consistently and so maybe that's what we're talking about is that is really getting comfortable with get, being present. You want to add to that? I was just saying, is this something like get comfortable with stepping into greater power? Get comfortable with stepping into Okay, so one, there's a little concept and a little twist or I want to tweak a little bit. Sure. And this came up in a coaching session I had, which was that there's a whole lot of words that are overused mm-hmm. and they have a tendency to go by and they define so many different ways. And so it was the other day, it was like, oh, that's really powerful. And what I suggested is that we say, um, yes, it has power or that has power. Mm. Okay. You have power? <laughs> Something? So, so sh- uh, women, I don't know, women showing Bearing up in the power. power stick? What? Sharing the power stick? <laughs> I don't know. That sounds a little. Um, I could go in a couple different directions. Violent. <laughs> yeah. Well, how how about um, how about we use we use the word we use the the two phrases instead of taking up space, step into your power. Yeah, I like that. That'll work. Keep it simple. Cool. Yeah. Done. Stepping into your power. Are we going to use the women in this uh, phrase or not? I mean, we could, but I feel like it's women in strong leadership anyway. So yep. I think it might be implied. <sighs> okay. So that's what we'll run with everybody out there. You know, I have to tell you, it's like, yes, I muted my camera, but I feel like I've been trans, not transformed necessarily, um, you took me away and brought me safely back, and I'm a better person for it. And I really, really appreciate that. Thanks for thank you. That's very, very a very kind statement. And this is why I do it, and it's a very selfish reason. <laughs> well, John, thank you for being selfish and unselfish because these podcast episodes are so valuable for me. I feel like I get to show up and. Um, exercise my worthiness and my collaboration and my love for other people in this space too. So it's 
you know, it's it's a very service-based thing that you're doing too. Oh, thank you. And with it, and with or without cookies, it's just excellent. <laughs> thank you, thank you so much. Thank you so it's much. Lovely, pleasure as always. Thank you.